podcast ain't played nobody. This is it. It doesn't feel like it. Doesn't feel like it at all. We're busy as hell. We're getting ready for shutdown forecast live in Atlanta. But uh, much like every other damn season, we talk, we talk, we anticipate, we anticipate, and then when the moment comes, it's just like a total kitchen fire. But that's okay. <laughs> that's college football. We're not here to complain about our busy lives in college football media. We are here to celebrate uh, the end of August and the fact that there is actual college football sport product being played. Yes. That's it. You're just happy. Yes. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm very tired, but I won't complain. You don't have to write a preview for five months. <laughs> I mean, game previews, but yes, I, I will not you be. You don't have to write a team preview. You don't have right. to do one of your fake number things where you do the weird matrixy circle chart. You're done, man. I miss those. I miss those. I'm not gonna lie. When I open that, when I open that file uh, in, X, in in Excel in January after the season, and I create the next preview file, and I see all the charts and stuff again, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna lie. My my heart flutters a little bit. This podcast ain't played nobody. Say college football marriage of numbers and words. My name is Stephen Godfrey. You can reach me at 38 Godfrey. You can reach. Uh, the robot, Bill Connolly, he invented the S&P Plus analytics system and wrote multiple books, uh, multiple fine books you can find on the internet. You can get him at SBN underscore Bill C. Bill, we're going to talk to one of our colleagues, Alex Kirshner, who did a roundup blog on uh, a very simple topic, but one that was highly requested in various channels. So we're just going to talk about cord cutting for a minute. Yep. Uh, Alex is also a graduate of Maryland, has been covering what's going on in Maryland. So we're going to talk to him about Maryland. I apologize in advance for how uh, the dichot- dichotomy of tone uh, that, that <laughs> takes place. But uh, welcome to college football. Uh, let's see what kind of house cleaning do we have. Foul play paid in Mississippi. Uh, the show with seven names that I did uh, for the kind of TV phone thing is now on YouTube. You can go to SB Nation's YouTube channel. Um, I've been asked also, uh, you know what? I made you guys do a bunch of stuff that you didn't like with Go90. Uh, I have a new assignment for you. You need to go. You don't have to watch or stream one of the episodes again. I would love it if you did. Yeah, at do this it. Point, I say do it. I'm just padding the stats at this point where I'm just being obnoxious. That's fine. It's not about the quality of the show anymore, the perception thereof. Um, it's just so I can get that um, you know gold trim around the swimming pool that I don't have. I don't know. It's 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 so people continue to generate interest in us doing projects like that. In all seriousness, but uh, go and subscribe to the YouTube channel that SB Nation has. If you do not uh, subscribe already to the YouTube channel, it is effortless. It does not force you to get notifications or do any crap or whatever. Literally, just on your YouTube account, just click subscribe on SB Nation. Do it or I'll punch you in the face. Um, foul play paid in Mississippi. All four episodes are available to stream right now. Um, unfortunately, um, we are going to be in an amazing city for a horrible reason. It's shut down full cast live. This is the last time I have to plug this stupid, stupid event before Bill and I hop on a plane to go and do stupid, stupid things for stupid, stupid people. Uh, shut down full cast live. It is this Friday night in Atlanta. If you can be there, awesome. A bunch of you who can't be there have asked about uh, live streaming. Don't do that to yourself. Go uh, go volunteer. Go visit a church or a synagogue, a homeless shelter. See what you can do for America uh, instead of worrying about what kind of horrific sounds would come out of a live stream of Shutdown Fullcast. You, do, you people realize what you're asking about is a live stream of one of the worst sounding podcasts in the world. By the way, I went on the aforementioned worst sounding podcast in the world last week. Uh, I think that was last week. God, I have no, sometime in August. I think it was last week. Um, 
And in the process of you know talking about going to Atlanta and whatnot, I told I told the 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 fellow hosts that I was considering going to the Alcorn State Georgia Tech game just because. Yes. Um, and and that's, then they made you go. Well, I don't think I'm going to go, but I got a lot of tailgate invitations, so I might go to the tailgate. And then like, I'm wrong go, with that, baby. And then, then roll on back up to SB Nation headquarters, um, aka like Harry's apartment or whatever, wherever people are hanging out on Saturday, and just watch all the games there. But at least hit a tailgate beforehand. That seems like best of all worlds, right there. Absolutely. No, there's nothing wrong with a tailgate cruising, especially in a metro area like Atlanta, where you can go to multiple over the course of days. You don't have to watch that football. No one's going to make. I mean, you. Triple, option, your... triple option in per- person. Though. I mean, I'm it's not, not gonna, your job. I'm not going to pretend that that's not appealing. But also, football, football probably, is literally your job. Yeah, and and watching OU, FAU, and Texas, Maryland, and and Texas Tech, Ole Miss is probably more uh, beneficial to me working my job. But tailgates are tailgates. One more time, uh, in case you're in the area, the great city of Atlanta and the great state of Georgia, and want to go to a godforsaken satanic ritual, uh, it is 7 p.m. at the Rich Theater in Atlanta. August thirty first. That's this Friday, probably as you're listening to this. Uh, if you're if you're within five hours, six hours drive, you could probably listen to this and just drive directly to the theater, or you could not. Again, you could just go and live your life. Uh, tickets are at eventbrite.com. Search shutdown fullcast again. That's eventbrite.com. Search shutdown fullcast. Suddenly that turned into a tongue twister because it's a stupid show with a stupid name. Bill, that's all the institutionals. That's all the house ads, as we say in the media business. We're going to jump straight into our interview with Alex because we've got a loaded Ask PAPN. And also, we have to dust off the um, the preview, the, the weekly preview. We, haven't even, we didn't even talk about this pre-show. Are we going to rename it? How are we going to assemble our tasting menu for what we're going to be doing in week one? If, if you are joining Podcast Ain't Played Nobody for the first time and you are expecting us to pick the games God or no. pick pick the spreads that won't happen there are many illustrious other podcasts you can go over to solid verbal uh they will do that for you we are going to go at it from a completely um pretentious viewing experience (laughs) angle i would say of just uh kind of trying to create the um you know the the prettiest plate of college football food for the instagram page so uh before we do all that let's talk to alex and Cut the cord. Uh, Bill, we're, we're getting older and dying slowly every day. Uh, that's why SB Nation has infused college football with a youth movement. Um, among that youth movement is one. He has multiple nicknames in the office. He's become a bit of a folk legend. You know him on the <laughs> internet as Alex Kirshner. You can follow him on Twitter at Alex underscore Kirshner. Um, I won't even get into the nicknames because I think they're so inside baseball. It's probably just not even that interesting. However, Alex picked up the reins and has delivered... I would say the most demanded piece of content among the PAPN community, and Alex didn't even know it. Uh, we talk about cord cutting all the time. Alex wrote this year's 2018 definitive guide to cord cutting. Uh, Alex, thanks for coming on the show and talking to us. Absolutely. Thank you for having me and dealing with uh, the sound of my phone vibrating just there, if, if that was heard. That's nope. okay. This is uh, more professional than shutdown, but, I mean, let's let's not kid ourselves. We're not that polished. Alex, um, a couple years ago, um, a few brave souls, myself included, experimented with the idea of just absorbing the same amount or attempting to absorb the same amount of college football, but just ditching the cable bill. Um, that was, that was an effort back then. You know, you really were taking a risk. You were dealing with 
so many different devices and platforms, apps. It really did depend on like, you know, what kind of maybe broadband service you had and then could you uh, borrow a password here or there. It seems like it's a hell of a lot simpler now. I know I'm super happy with YouTube TV. Is it just like as simple now as picking one of these like OTT services like YouTube? It seems to be pretty much that simple. Uh, you're going to give up a little bit. Um, and I should, I should confess that I have, I am still sticking with the cable package myself because uh, the, the espionation blogging duties sometimes make it hard to be a few seconds behind. And yes. that's kind of one of the things that you might lose is that if you're someone who likes to watch games with Twitter um, and, and you really, really need to be like right there seeing things like on like a one or two second delay and nothing more, then you might lose that when you stream. Um, but yeah, in terms of the channel offerings, you're not going to lose a lot. Um, you know, if you, if you do YouTube TV or you do um, direct TV now or something along those lines, the, the biggest thing that you might lose in terms of offerings is that um, the ESPN channels that you'll get, if you don't have the big fancy sports cable package, then you don't have the ability to go into watch ESPN and pick like some FCS game that isn't actually on TV, but you could get if you have ESPN cable. Um, if you're okay with that, like if you're a fan of a power five team, the games are all going to be on like regular TV anyway, uh, then I don't think you're losing very much at all at this point. Alex, as someone who you are essentially like one of the, the minute men, minute women on, on our news desk for college football news. Um, a lot of people have asked me not like it, it stopped being about which service is best is like, which service doesn't have that lag. It, what you're saying is that it's impossible to now do like a, a true cord cutting experience and not have. I, I, we need to come up. We should probably coin a name for it as well so we can trademark it. But like the, I don't know what you would call it, the cord cutter lag. I mean, that's really inventive here on a Wednesday yeah, morning. I've never but, heard of the lag. And full disclosure: the only one that I've ever used in any measure is YouTube TV, mm-hmm. YouTube TV, um, at a at a buddy's place. And there's there is like as I understand it, like a pretty slight, but not nothing lag. Like it's less than a minute, but it's not just a couple seconds. I've never heard of one that would be like as fast as, as a court itself. Yeah. Um, my guess is they'll close that gap at some point, but I, I don't think that that's the bridge that they've crossed just yet. Now I will say though, like less than a minute doesn't really matter specifically uh, outside of, outside of like the Twitter community. It really drives oh, yeah. you insane when you are even 30 seconds, 45 seconds behind and something happens and then you see that, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, that like Twitter, that push of tweets all of a sudden and then you see the play happen. It really is like, it is a demoralizing viewing experience. And by the way, um, to, to further demoralize uh, the whole situation, I, uh, I'm looking very much forward to being on location or being at a Mizzou game or something and having to deal with... Uh, Looking at eight-hour-old posts on Twitter trying to catch the latest thing that happened, but that's neither here nor there. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, if you're a normal human who's, like, well-adjusted and doesn't spend time on Twitter, which does not apply to either of you no. or me, uh, then it's great. And uh, You know, it seems like it's really great, and uh, I, I am jealous of the people who uh, are like that. <laughs> uh, Alex, you break down, there's Hulu, the streaming service that you can watch like the handmaid's tale on right but it also has a live tv element that's going to give you 50 channels sling which is an old school one direct tv now which is not 
buying the direct TV service where they put the dish in your home. It is a just traditional like streaming OTT channel service. YouTube TV, that's the one I'm on right now. And then something called AT&T Watch, which I've never even heard of. Um, I think this is this breakdown was courtesy of our friends over at The Verge. There's also yeah. PlayStation View, which I used for a couple of years. Um, and finally, the user interface just basically drove me mad. Um, is there one that we are just going to certify, recommend, boom, this is what you should get if you are a college football fan looking not necessarily for, let's say, like I am a Wisconsin fan and I want Wisconsin and I want the Big Ten primarily, but like more of a P- PAPN cultured person where it's like, I want to watch San Jose State at 1030 at night and I also want to watch as many other games as humanly possible. Are we just saying YouTube TV at this point? I think YouTube TV is kind of the industry leader at this point. I mean, that, that is certainly the uh, overwhelming favorite of the SBNation.com college football staff. Mm-hmm. Um, I would add that ESPN Plus, uh, which I have yeah. used recently, uh, and is four ninety nine a month, and I would absolutely never, ever um, use a shared login with anybody. No. Um, <laughs> it, uh, it seems to be pretty good. Um, and, and, you know, the slate that they've got for, for college football games this season is pretty much going to be all mid-majors plus like Kansas and Maryland. So all mid-majors pretty much. Um, and, you know, you can, if you're someone who just wants to watch as many games as possible and you want to watch their week one slate is like Portland or Moorhead State against uh, Eastern Kentucky, uh, Kennesaw State, Georgia State, uh, Division Two. there's some games there, um, Tennessee Tech and UT Chattanooga and FCS, Southern Illinois and Murray State, games like that. I think I might be. Yeah, Tennessee Tech's not on there. But anyway, what I'm getting at is that if you want to watch just like tons and tons of football and you and you really like want to get those options that YouTube TV might not have because it doesn't give you the full watch ESPN slate, um, if you can do five extra bucks a month, ESPN Plus is pretty good. Plus, there's there's a lot of golf on there. I've noticed. Um, if you're if you're someone who wants to watch like Thursday and Friday morning rounds when like Tiger's on before Golf Channel picks it up or something like that, um, you can do that too. So Completist really has to shell out for the extra five bucks, and that's that is not included in any of the service packages we're talking about. Doesn't matter if you have traditional cable. Doesn't matter if you use YouTube TV or Sling or whatever. You, yeah. you you're you're advocating spend the extra five bucks because you're going to get like it, it's just more of like uh, depth on the roster in terms of viewable games. Yeah, I mean, if you're that kind of person, again, this doesn't apply to most like normal humans, but if you're that kind of person, like one of us who's going to just want to watch college football ad them and never stop and have something, yeah. you know, pretty much every hour, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, then it's, it's probably a good buy. Alex, I have a question. Do I have to reactivate my Facebook account, which I really don't uh, want to do in order to watch some of these games that are partnered with stadium this year? You know, I think that you might need to be on Facebook to watch a couple of games. Yeah, um, I, I recall there being uh, a schedule release that was, what, like maybe 15 or 20 games this year, and I don't mm-hmm. think any of them were major games. Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's like a dozen plus. Um, yeah, I got it right here. So it's like, I don't know, Godfrey, do you want to watch Miami of Ohio against Marshall? Do you want to watch UC Davis and San Diego State? Of probably. course. FIU, I mean, probably, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, there, there are actually some decent, you know, there, there's a Marshall UTSA here. There's a there's a North Texas Law Tech here. Um, so yeah, I mean those are going to be games on Facebook via Stadium, and we, we've got some friends over at Stadium you know, uh, who who do really good work, and I think their studio shows might be might be pretty good, even better I think than 
some of what you see on the networks. You know, Michael Felder's over there, Bregman Murphy's over there. So you know what? I mean, if you if you can put up with uh, everything else that comes on Facebook and you want to watch, you know, a Wyoming Utah State game in peace, I, I would say do it. But there is a way. To, is there a way to absorb the stadium content without having to have an active Facebook account? Because you can just go to Stadium's website, right? Stadium does have a website. Uh, yes, and. You know, it's not at all clear to me if that game. I think that it was. It was. Yeah, they're going to be exclusively on Facebook. Yeah, I'm looking right here. Oh. It's going to be exclusively Facebook. Oh, so they do have a website, but uh, it's painful. Yeah, you're going to have to have to actually be on Facebook. Now, I'm not certain, though. To be frank, that that's going to require you to have your own Facebook page. I mean, it probably does, but there are some things on Facebook that are like, you know, if you go into an incognito window on Chrome and you just look it up, you know, there are some public pages on Facebook where you right, don't need to right. be. Um, you don't need to have a login. You don't need to have an account. So that might be a bit a bit touch and go. Alex, let's shift gears for a second. Uh, we brought you in for an incredibly lighthearted topic just because everybody likes to, for some reason, talk about cord cutting and their setup and what they do. Um, let's go in the other direction. Uh, you are a Maryland grad. You have uh, ties to Maryland, the the program, the, the university. Uh, give me your... Give me the summer in a nutshell. Give me your reaction, both professionally and as an alumnus, as to what's gone on at Maryland the past six months. Um, just professionally, it's it's terrible, um, and uh, as an alum, it's terrible. Uh, <laughs> nope. Yeah, they, they, they've been on a terrible run. Um, obviously, there are a couple of investigations going on now um, that are going to hang a cloud over this football season and maybe more going forward. We don't know, but. Um, you know, I think it's unlikely at this point that um, DJ Durkin ever coaches there again. And, you know, there, as I mentioned, there are still those investigations going on, but uh, they're they're very likely going to be in the market for a new coach just two years after they did it, you know, the last time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they, you know, so from a, a football standpoint, it is what it is, and it's, it's not really what's most important. But I think that's going to be what a lot of the story is. Um, and hopefully, they're they're going to make the organizational changes that they have to make to prevent shit like this from ever coming close to happening again and when you say organizational changes uh how Durkin aside like what's your gut feel for just how many new positions they'll be hiring for uh empty positions i should say they'll be hiring for in uh the coming weeks or months how 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 high do you think this is gonna go well i think that it could go one of two ways i think that if the athletic director damon evans uh, goes and is, is found to have not done enough to stop this, uh, then I think the president, Wallace Lowe, has to go too. The reason for that is that Damon Evans is the, you know, at, at the point that Jordan McNair uh, on May 29th and then a couple weeks later in June, you know, the point that he falls ill and then dies, uh, Damon Evans is still the interim athletic director. He'd replaced the previous athletic director, Kevin Anderson, who left. Um, we now know after he used university funding to defend a couple of players who had been accused of sexual misconduct. So Damon Evans is the interim AD. This happens. Uh, he then gets promoted somewhat oddly, a lot of people thought, um, to the full-time, the permanent AD job, before this ESPN report comes out about all of this cultural, just horrible stuff that was going on at Maryland, mm-hmm. uh, and before Durkin gets placed on administrative leave, but remember that Evans was in charge at the time, and, and you know people who are close to the program will say that Damon Evans' sport, his baby, has always been the football program. Um, so even when he was just the associate AD and then when he was the interim, I mean, he's got a pretty close finger on what's been going on with the football program. Uh, 
So that's a that's more than you ask. But the the, the point is that if Damon Evans has to go, um, then it's going to be so inexplicable that Wallace, the president, would have given him the permanent athletic director job. That there'd be just no way. Uh, that Wallace Lowe could then stay in his job. I mean, it would just be such negligence that there'd just be no way. Um, so I think that that's probably a bit of a package deal. Um, and I do. I think it's likely that both of them, you know, in some form or another, um, wind up not being in their jobs this time next year. I think there's a, a very decent chance of that happening. And, and, you know, I mentioned organizational changes, but hopefully they'll actually put different protocols in place and, and make sure that just logistically uh, you can't have a situation like that again where a kid, falls ill to work out and you don't do enough alex there's um a lot of differences between maryland and ohio state they're just getting compared because they're happening concurrently they're both in the big 10 but at ohio state you have a national title contender a national title power and a national title winning head coach who's involved in a controversy at maryland uh dj durkin durkin at best was a work in progress in terms of like what he was doing with the terps um their transition over to the conference figuring out their identity. It's something that Bill and I talk a lot about is like when, when programs at the power five level switch conferences, it takes a long, long time to develop sort of your identity and your, your expectation level in your new home. Um, because all of that's up in the air and Durkin wasn't a smashing success and Maryland is still a work in progress and just in the football sense amongst like the fans and the alumni is there more of a groundswell just to to clear house and move on whereas like you see at ohio state you have fans who don't want to lose national title contention who are fighting for urban meyer maybe for the wrong reasons yeah i don't think it's risen quite to the level of what we've seen at ohio state with people rallying to defend the coach but there are definitely two camps i mean there's a camp uh, and this camp to be frank includes some players and some players parents uh who have said that you know, this is a good man and this is stuff that's common in every program and you've just got to want it and, and things like that. Um, I think that's a pretty sizable camp. And I think that, you know, especially among boosters who tend to skew to be just like older guys who want to see their football team be good and want to talk about how kids these days just aren't tough enough. I think mm-hmm. that group is, is largely in that camp. But I don't think it's universal. Um, I heard from a booster the other day um, who, who, you know, thinks that I, I think the phrase that he used was something about genitals being hung up uh, like from the ceiling from everyone involved in this. Um, wow. I, I think that's more of a minority view uh, than, than the, the idea that, you know, this is just football and this is how it is. So I don't think you, we, we've seen quite the Ohio state level of uproar to support the coach, but it's, it's definitely still there. I think it's football and it's the big 10 and, and even if this were like Illinois or Rutgers, I think we'd see the same thing. Right. And, you know, to to that, <clears throat> you're going down that line. You know, the biggest thing that Durkin has had going for him have been the last couple of recruiting classes. Um, and those yeah. guys, uh, you know, 2017 and 18 classes, you know, at most you've been on campus for 18 months. Um, so obviously uh, the Jordan McNair situation is going to leave an impact, but probably a lot of those guys were still fond of Durkin from recruiting and maybe haven't had a complete and total reason to not be fond of him anymore. Um, and I was just curious, like what the, what the size of that group is. I, it's not really a question that can be answered, I guess, but that's, uh, you do figure there are still quite a few former players who uh, were still sold, who, who Durkin sold them on the program and therefore they liked Durkin quite a bit. Yeah, and, and that might help him in some respect. And I think it's going to be really hard for him to stick around. But, you know, he what Maryland's done in recruiting the last few years is kind of inexplicable. I mean, they've had 
you know, a couple of, of top 25 or bordering on top 25 classes, uh, despite being, you know, frankly being Maryland football. And, you know, I think that that probably speaks to a way that he's been able to connect with a lot of people. And, you know, maybe there is some kind of connection there that's, that's made it harder for, for some people to run from him. I don't know. Alex, we thank you for coming on for what is a, definitely a schizoid interview of the incredibly fun and the incredibly not so fun. <laughs> so um, we will consider the weight and gravity of the situation while we're checking out awesome streaming sports on our phone and mobile devices. Um, Alex, you can reach at Alex underscore Kirshner and you will see him all season long uh, throughout our various forms of college football coverage on SP Nation. Nobody has higher quantity during the football season than Alex Kirshner. Absolutely not, both in terms of posts and, and what I eat during the season. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks, Alex. Thanks, guys. Bill, have you been over to uh, the PAPN Reddit page? I am clicking it open this very moment. They are doing uh, graphics at the top. <sighs> there is uh, a banner with our face for the PAPN Bull. Now they just have the final score splayed across there. I'm very proud of you guys. Good job. I, Go I, I'm, I'm never Go visiting Reddit again. Um, it's Ask PAPN time. Now, here's the deal. We all love this segment. Everybody loves this segment. We've got to cram it in because now we have actual real-life football to talk about. Yeah, so seriously. We're going to be a little choosier. Don't everybody get mad. We're going to be a little choosier. All right? Uh, if you want to ask us a question, you can do it one of two ways. You can go visit our Reddit page at reddit.com uh, slash PAPN or just r slash PAPN on the subreddits. You can go to the Twitters. Use the hashtag AskPAPN. Hashtag AskPAPN. You don't have to add us, but it helps. Um... Bill, would you like to start? <laughs> yeah, okay. So, um, uh, underscore at, uh, no, sorry, man, I am freaking fried. At ISE underscore Wolf. He goes by PR on Twitter. <laughs> this, is, this is amazing, and now I have only one goal left in life. Please discuss this scenario. Following a successful 2018 season, Jared Stidham leaves for the NFL. While, Malz, while Gus Malzahn has quarterbacks on the roster, he's open to grad transfers. Meanwhile, Tua Tagovailoa wins the Bama job and Hertz completes his degree in December. Galaxy brain. <laughs> I don't even, I, I have nothing to say to this other than I hope it happens. I I mean, not. I, I don't want to spend too much time actually analyzing it or anything, but Jalen Hurts would be a phenomenal Auburn quarterback in that system. Ooh-wee. That plays to his strengths. We'll have to run this through the bud, the bud scenario, uh, <laughs> the bud scenario machine. But I do think, um, wouldn't Bama be able to block this though? Yeah, grad transfers. You can't block grad transfers. That's right. It's not a normal transfer. I say do it. Hell It'd yes. be the great. I mean, we just got done where you and I screwed up. We forgot about Mike and Kale Gundy talking about uh, brothers starting at rival schools because uh, I was mentioning the Carter Samuels family in Colorado State. Well, and Wyoming, it's not like one of us grew up during the Gundy era in Oklahoma. Holy crap, Bill. Could you have the same human being start at quarterback for both Alabama and Auburn? That would be amazing. One goal left in life. I don't even need to ask. I'm not even going to make it a homework assignment. That uh, There's just no way that's happened before. <laughs> someone's going to find something just to refute me. That's fine. Um, I think it's totally, uh, I know it's like a fun, oh my God kind of thing, but like it makes football sense. That's yeah, it what makes, makes it so sense. fun. It makes logistical sense. 
I think the odds of Stidham going pro are pretty good just because, I mean, he he did sit out a year. Uh, he should yeah. have pretty good stats in the SEC West this year. I, I would say he's he's quite possibly gone. Uh, Body size, yeah. I mean, he's he's got pro potential. Um, I don't know how su- successful he'd be, but he definitely has the ability to to put up a season this year that would push him to declare now. Um, you know, you kind of figure Auburn to be good, maybe not national title great. So, what would you come back for? Yeah, I mean, look, this is all technically set now. On the other end of it, um, Tua being more successful or or, or starting more or just capturing the thing outright and running away with it seems likely, right? I mean, as you go through and fact check the scenario, it's not improbable. It's not bad at all. Got to happen. Oh, and Good by the job, way, man. That's the best ass pain we've had in a while. And by the way, to to appease the uh, the Oklahomans uh, who very rightfully castigated me for forgetting um, Gundy and Gundy last week, here's one that I'll read from Steve Jackson at SJJaxo2. Okay. Uh, no question, please just discuss, uh, discuss this graphic instead. So it's a graphic that floated around last week. Uh, Jason Kersey, maybe somebody in the media uh, pointed out that if you look at the best game uh, from or the best rushing total from each week of last season. So like Jonathan Taylor uh, in week one had 223 yards. Bryce Love had uh, in week two or whatever, however he's doing this, had 263 yards. If you basically add up the leading rusher in each week, um, you get 2,836 yards and 27 touchdowns. Pretty good, pretty good rushing season there uh, for the leaders, the rushing leaders of each week. Now, if you take those same weekends and you go back to 1988 when Barry Sanders was playing, those same weekends. So that's how we, that's how he did it. Like it, Barry Sanders played the week of nine nine slash nine ten. So it was the rushing leader from that same week. Whatever. Uh, so twenty eight thirty six was the was the all of college football's rushing leader in that uh, span. Barry Sanders had twenty eight hundred fifty yards in those same uh, twelve Saturdays and forty two touchdowns. So basically, he outrushed twenty seventeen. Is what. Uh, the graphic said, and uh, I just, I am, ha- I wish I was a little older when that happened. I, I no, I take that back because that, that would mean I'm, old, I'd be older now too, and that would suck. But um, I, I'm happy to have at least at 10 years old been able to witness Barry Sanders' 1988 season in Oklahoma. It was truly like just words can't describe. Bill, I got a lifestyle question. Uh, we don't normally do this, but um, I think. You know, much like cord cutting, it's about logistics in life. Uh, Emotes85 says, for the fellow PAPN fathers, my first child is due September 4th. Bill and I, by the way, are both fathers. Uh, How much time can I reasonably expect to watch football this season? Uh, Congrats, Emotes85. Uh, If your child shows up on the due date, uh, your child's birthday is a day before my child's birthday. Um, So as a college football writer... And someone who was really, at the time, my son on September 5th of this year before. So four years ago, I was a straight-up no-fooling college football reporter who was really sort of tasked with being in a different place every week. Um, it was hard. It was um, – I, I don't know if I've told this story before, but after I kind of got the promotion to that style position the previous December um, – so I don't even know what year we're talking about. On December of 13, okay, Bill? Yeah. Uh, I get the promotion, da 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 da. <laughs> we start planning immediately. In fact, in January, Spencer Hall, who was then running the thing at the time, calls me and says, Hey, um, Penn State and UCF are playing in Ireland. We want you to go to that week one. It's 
pretty awesome, oh, right? Man. And I had to tell Spencer, this is the first time they've called me and given me an assignment in my new promotion. I can't go because my kid was due like August 30th. So um, emotes 85, you probably don't cover college football. Uh, you're in a much more pedestrian situation, which I think is beneficial because here's why. You may not go to a lot of games. You're probably not going to go to a lot of games, physically attend. Right. And it doesn't show here your affiliation or anything like that that I can see. So I don't know if you like live in the town like the way Bill does close to the alma mater or if you don't go regardless. Um, I took off like week one and two, I think. And then week three, I did an embed. I don't recommend that. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's kind of a dick move on my part, but that's <laughs> how it happens. Uh, I think you're actually going to watch a lot of college football. Yes. And not to call back to our previous segment with Alex, this is where – the DVR slash like I don't even know what you call it when it's when it's streaming, but like the uh, you could basically go. So I just I love YouTube TV. I, I swear to God they're not a sponsor. I wish they were, but like you can go and just add an event, right? The way that you would normally DVR or back in the old school days, like actually record a game and then have this functional library for as long as you want. I was going through mine YouTube TV profile yesterday, and there was a the week one Falcons game from last season was still on there. And I was oh, like, I'm going to fire this up real fast. You know, uh, you can keep a library throughout the year. So much like the consumption that you're going to experience of anything else as a father in terms of recreation, and Bill can attest to this, books, films, uh, video games, new restaurants, you name it. It's all going to get backlogged as a parent. That's sort of how you deal with that backlog is up to you. And how you prioritize that becomes the trick. You will be able to consume it. You probably won't be able to do it uh, the way that you used to. I think that's fair to say. But also, look, you're going to have a newborn. All you guys are going to be doing is just like trying to function. And the newborn doesn't, the newborn, unlike a four year old, and Bill, how old is your daughter now? Six? She's about to turn seven. Seven. All right. Okay. Um, they have agency and they have an opinion and they want, they don't want to watch football. Newborn, watch whatever the hell you want them yeah. to watch. So you're not actually going to run into the problem other than being tired until about, I'd say, the 2019, 2020 season, 2020 at the earliest, where you're really going to lose time because then you're chasing a toddler around. <laughs> and uh, toddlers are dicks. I have one right now. They're um, a toddler and a dick, I guess. But uh, yeah, toddlers are way tougher than newborns. I'll let you know when kids stop being sociopaths. We're almost to seven and I haven't really gotten there yet. But um, yeah, so I had a. We were due September 15th in 2011. I uh, had the kid on August 31st. I got the full-time SB Nation offer on September 1st. Um, so basically, I then tried to, like, I, I did my two weeks notice at my previous job, and I was working full-time at SBN by basically mid-September. Uh, I you will watch a lot of football this fall. If you have to write about it, you will increasingly find yourself unsatisfied with what you're writing because you're extremely tired and it does, and it's not making a lot of sense to you. Uh, you will not get a lot of sleep. You will doze off in the middle of games. So yes, having a DVR function uh, is probably a very good idea. You will, you'll be dozing off or changing this or that or uh, you know running to the grocery store uh, to, to get whatever your wife wants you to get. That's all fine. Uh, but yes, when it comes to pure quantity, you are not going to suffer this fall. I think you, I, I by the way, he's a South Carolina fan. Okay. Well, if you know, then count on, if you want to see a game this year, just do it on the back end. Um, 
you know, hopefully you got the relatives going around that are, you know, near you, in-laws, whatever that can help. Maybe you and the, and the, the wife, I assume, get out to a, uh, a game together, but that's going to be unlikely in the newborn phase, especially the first 12 weeks. Cause you got to worry about shots and vaccinations and stuff, but, uh, just no, man, you're going to watch more than you think this yeah. year. Talk to me in two years. Then you might not remember any of it, but you'll watch it. Um, Oh, Bill, 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 where do we want to go next? Um, I think this is a joke, but I'm just going to clear the deck from an administrative standpoint. Uh, Brandon on Twitter at BW Itchard, B Witchard, uh, he says, how about setting up a PAP in Slack? Brandon, I think this is a joke. That's horrifying. Um, yeah. We have Slack at work at Vox Media. Let me pull up my Slack right now as, as I record this. I have... Oh, 22 channels in Slack right now. And as, as I'm speaking, nine of them are active. In other words, people are pinging. And then under that, there's a direct message function in Slack. And I have about 50 people and about five or six direct messages right now that I haven't responded to. Slack is the bane of my existence. But I love all of you and I love interacting with you. But Slack is no. We already have a PAP in Slack and it's RDM. Uh, stream in Slack. That's uh, that's where our notes are, and nobody else is invited. By God, I doubt that he was asking for like our own organizational purposes. But we do uh, yeah. we do more and more pre production as the show continues to expand and the listenership grows. But uh, no, it's just setting up a Slack, an open public Slack for everyone to come into. Oh, I mean that's like <laughs> that's, that's what that's Reddit like the, is. That's what Reddit is. We're that's fine. like the plot of a Saw movie. It's that's fine. Freaking horrible. Um. Yeah, here's one, actually. Um, this way I got to promote something. So uh, I put out uh, last Friday the Great Sports City Miami uh, feature, and I know quite a few gave feedback, and I appreciate that. Um, uh, our friend Chuck Pearson, who interacts a, a decent amount with us on Twitter, uh, at Pearson Football, says, uh, Mike Rumpf, in that episode, I used a few clips that you'll also find. Oh, here's something else to promote. Man, promoting everywhere. Uh, on Sunday and Monday, Godfrey and I will have features go up for the college football season. They're going up those weird days because uh, they involve the Sunday and Monday night football games. On Sunday morning, you can read my uh, piece about Miami and its battle with its history and everything else. I interviewed uh, Mark Rick, Mike Rumpf, and uh, Manny Diaz. You can have you can partake in I think fifteen minute audio chunks uh, within that feature. But I used a couple of the Rumpf and Rick. Chunks as well in the Great Sports City Miami episode, uh, and and Rumpf was amazing. He was the star of the damn. You know, Mark Richt is a loving grandfather, and he speaks like it. But but Rumpf just kind of made me want to commit to the University of Miami. Uh, but he in it, he he did say one thing I was kind of curious about, and, and Chuck picked up on it. He says. Rump speaks passionately about getting recruited by being promised the best competition he ever had in his life. Uh, he then says he can't recruit that way in this culture because of quote unquote social media kids. Is that fair? And he had another quote that said it may be impossible to work that way with the you for which image is such a core part of the nature of the place, but it still seems like someone ought to be able to lean into recruiting elite competitors and say, if you don't like the competition, there's the door. Um, it was kind of a weird quote. Um, I wasn't completely – I think the idea is just like, you know, kids these days need to be coddled and, and whatever. And I, I – you know, <laughs> he's coached a lot more junior high and high school kids than I have. Let's put it that way. So if he's saying it with his – he's saying it with his own personal experience. So I'm not going to just outright refute it. But I will say, I mean, 
what I always say about kids these days and whatnot, the only difference is technology. Kids these days are always kids these days, but they have better technology and they have uh, more of an ability to stick their face in their phone for, for hours on end than we did because we didn't have cell phones. Uh, I don't say that as a, you know, that way we were more manly and tough and we went outside. I would have loved nothing more than to have a cell phone where I could look up anything I needed to at a moment's notice uh, and, and, and distract myself for hours with it. So I'm not saying it like as a personal weakness, I'm saying it as I'm kind of jealous that my generation didn't have that, but that, that might've made my generation more hard to uh, recruit football wise. Apparently Tessa, uh, I'm going to butcher your last name, Tessa, and I apologize. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Mashid or my or Mashid. I'm going to go with Tessa Mashad. That's probably wrong. The last name, by the way, is M-E-I-S-H-E-I-S-C-H-E-I-D. Um, I just like to spell those out because if you're driving or listening along and you're you, you're going to do the same thing in your head after you think how about un, unprofessional we are and you're like, I, yeah, you don't know it either, do you? Uh, Tessa asked a very important question here. This is over on the Twitter. Uh, how do you recommend that women continue to watch and enjoy college football after being given numerous examples that most involved care more about winning than they care about us? Asking for someone who desperately loves this sport but hates <laughs> supporting this crap. Uh, Tessa, I'm... I'm I don't have anything for you on the front end, but here's what I'm going to tell you. Um, don't stop and be uh, as present and identifiable and as visible a fan or rather a consumer as you can be. And what I mean by that is I know the urge is overwhelming right now and the logic side of your brain uh, puts together everything that we've seen so far just, just this summer, just yep. this summer. You don't even think about the last five years which compounds matters to a ridiculous degree. But yeah, just this summer, you have enough to say, this is trash. I'm walking away from this. Uh, here's the reason why you shouldn't. They only, they being sort of the bigger uh, faceless corporations and NCAA people, they only look at money. They only look at the loss of money. And if you continue to build numbers, continue to, to – uh, to be a female consumer and more female consumers become more present, more active and more involved in the process of, of, of consuming. And they're able to identify that in a financial sense, which they do. They're dumb as hell, but when they do research on who's buying their stuff, they become geniuses. Trust me. <laughs> um, then they have to start listening to you because consumers dictate the course of corporations. And when consumers in mass walk away, corporations respond and make no mistake college football is filled with corporations like anything else blow it out your ass if you think this is amateur athletics we you know <laughs> i think we've established that so tessa don't leave uh if anything double down i know it doesn't make sense right now but the the most power you have is as an active consumer who can find a voice within that channel to say hey this is ridiculous i no longer want this and uh, encourage those around you to do the same yeah. Uh, on top of that, I have a very, very cynical answer and a very, very optimistic answer. Um, I'll give the cynical one first so I can finish it happily. The cynical answer is what? You're going to go to movies or music or any other industry that like that doesn't you know, take advantage of women or, or ignore them or marginalize them. Uh, we have that problem everywhere. And I feel like 
I feel, I don't know, this is sort of either foolish or optimistic, but I feel like all the, you know, everything we've seen over the last couple of years and the fact that there is more of an outcry for it than ever, it hasn't really changed the the processes yet. Um, And it's just, everything is just as gross as it was a couple of years ago or a few years ago. But I feel like the increased visibility, the increased press, the increased outcry will eventually make a difference and hopefully that's not foolishly optimistic but i do feel like there is more of a pushback and in theory eventually pushing back leads to actual progress we'll see that but the optimistic part of that too is um you know there are you know no matter what industry you're talking about there are really 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 shitty people at the top of it making money off of it but there's also a potential community you can find that you can that, that can make your own life better and um to college football has been a template for me to find a lot of people that i really really appreciate of both sexes actually um and and so you know you seek those people out you interact with them um you become part of this little internet community and it's a very 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 rewarding thing and that's that that comes from somebody who gets yelled at every sunday um i still like twitter for me is a net plus by far because of the people i've met and interacted with on it so there is that opportunity uh with college football or anything else but i know there's an opportunity within college football to find that community and really just you know become a you know a happier uh, fan if you if you're seeking out the right voices uh, i'm gonna do a couple really fast okay um dan smith uh, underscore dan smith underscore byu says there are 10 teams in the big 12 and 14 teams in the big 10 do you think any of the conferences will get name changes to reflect the realignment no dan uh a couple reasons one the brands are too strong big 10 being just so ubiquitous within its footprint but also nationally uh big 12 not so much because it's not as old but um the brand matters and the name matters more than the actual number and again the second reason is those numbers are subject to change um i, I think within some degree in the next 10 years, you'll see those numbers change across power five conferences. So I don't think that they are invested in continually changing it. That's just bad marketing. Um, Daisy D 500, which is the first non sec conference to get two teams into the playoffs in parentheses, Daisy D writes, I'm pretty sure it's the big 10, but I don't like that answer. I think it is probably the big 10 because I'm convinced the way that you do this now is the, is, you you have to have a strong you see i think it wouldn't be like a wisconsin ohio state situation bill because they would play each other so late in the it, be ohio you know, state conference Michigan. championship exactly it ohio would be two state, teams state. yeah, yeah I, I think the the alabama lsu situation of a couple years ago that predates the playoff is more likely than what we saw this year with uh with alabama and georgia although that is another way to do it is to get skirted out with one loss of the of your division and then sneak in that way and then the team that wins the conference on the other side that's possible as well. So yeah. the problem with that for the Big 10 is that whatever team like let's say okay so let's say Wisconsin is somehow left out of the conference championship they have one loss to like Iowa or Nebraska or whatever in in whatever year I don't know just by virtue of the west being so much weaker than the East, I think perception might hurt them and they may not make the playoff. You know, that's, that's the difference and the perception bias sometimes of the SEC. But I think having the Ohio state, I mean, look, what's the, the easiest way to answer this? I just realized is undefeated Ohio state and undefeated Michigan, right? Right. Or under, or, or undefeated Penn state, any of those three teams you lose one team stays undefeated. They win the conference. Then you have one loss and then you go. 
right as the four seed i think that's probably the easiest thing to do yeah yeah i mean you're to get to in it's either going to be a like division runner up to the eventual champion situation like well i mean alabama last year was a divisional runner up but they were 11 and 1 and they were dominant and uh so they had that profile um off or, the top of my head, I really can't think of a situation where the committee is going to give that same level of SEC bias because, like, let's say or, let's say it's bias. Oregon and Washington, unless Oregon, so let's say Oregon loses to Washington, Washington wins the Pac-12, Oregon has one loss, unless Oregon's beaten up on some major Power Five team in like a neutral site season opener. I don't know if the committee is going to give them that. I don't think it's an SEC bias. I think it was an Alabama is awesome bias. Um, I mean, they were at the top of my rankings most of the year, and they were, I think, second best when the when a time when when it came time to pick the playoffs. So they were awesome. That's what, and that was the major thing. It wasn't just like, hey, who was the SEC West runner up by the way? Okay, well, we'll give them consideration. It was just it was Alabama, and they were eleven and one, and they had been dominant most of the year. Don't lose Auburn, punk. Um, <laughs> BBJD7, which coordinators in college football are you most interested in seeing as a head coach and what type of jobs do you think they would fit well in? For example, I think Mike Yurich at Oklahoma State would do very well at a school like Colorado State or Tulsa due to the program he has watched Gundy build up in a non-talent-filled area. Meanwhile, I'd say Marcus Arroyo would be much more interesting in a situation surrounded by talented players in in California, Texas, Louisiana, Georgia, Florida. Uh, Yeah. That's a, I think that's a great point. Um, I don't know if, if, if where you're at as an assistant should predicate how you would be successful as a head coach. Mike Yersich is from Ohio, Pennsylvania. So yeah, he's a Rust Belt guy. Um, yeah, I don't know if I would necessarily tie those two so tightly together. Um, I'm curious why Marcus Arroyo would work in one place and not the other. Um, I do think that good uh, – I think we're, we're seeing a shift back in emphasis on – and I think we had a couple other random questions the last two weeks of like trends and hiring and things like that. Um, I think we're coming back around to good assistants, really good coordinators, seasoned people getting jobs the right way. I shouldn't say the right way because that has a bias to it. But there's not so much of this like rapid-fire ascension stuff anymore. Um, I think there's there are trends where G5 head coaches become P5 head coaches and you see the deficiency there. And then for a while, it's all about hot coordinators who don't have head coaching experience at any level and they get their first head coaching job as P5, right? There's fault, there's fault in both of those systems and that's why it comes down to the individual candidate. Also, there was a question in here about how come there's not an adjustment in S&P Plus for coaching changes. Yeah, it's that. because there's just no math to that. Like. Right. We don't know. It's the single greatest variable in college football other than the players themselves. It's just, it's zero sum. Yeah, that's the biggest thing. It's hard to find a factor that doesn't that works and then doesn't turn around and not work the next time. I will say, like I, I I played with this a long time ago. I didn't get very far, but in the SEC previews I was referencing um Kind of how, how teams will tend to regress to their historical norm over time. So one thing I want to play with again, and at this point, of course, it's going to be the offseason because we're rolling now. Um, one thing I want to play with is the idea of like the coach who left, what was his kind of average S&P plus rating versus like the, the whatever, the 20, 30, 50 years that came before him. Um, because I think like there is a historical norm here and, and teams regress towards it as often as not. So there might be something where you could say, you know, Mississippi state overachieved comp- historically compared to Mullen. So maybe that means mm-hmm. they're, they're going to fall back on average versus, you know, wins, you know, um, 
Saban's probably not a great example here, but just well, I mean, even even with the recent struggles, you know, Mullins New School, Florida, uh, they were they were playing at a, a, a below historical norm, uh, especially if you're using twenty or thirty years as that as that norm. So maybe that means they're automatically projected. I don't know. That's something I want to play with, but yeah, the reason I don't use it is I haven't found any math mathematical benefit to using it. Well, then I want to ask you this because this is something that came up in my head while I was working on a pretty standard nuts and bolts Willie Taggart profile about his sort of path and how much he loved Florida State as a fan. Um, and I think that story runs Monday on Labor Day for yep. that game. So check that out. Um, from what you just said, you have to assume that there's always a norm. And what I was curious about, especially when you look at the history of Florida State as a program, the norm is decidedly one thing for like a hundred years. And then it's decidedly something else after that. Like Bowden forever changes Florida state. And then the person who replaces him wins a national championship. And now the person who replaces that guy is expected to win a national championship. And you look at Florida state, sort of the crux of the story I wrote on the non taggart side was that Florida state had a coach in Jimbo Fisher who was at a top 10 job, almost inarguably. I don't know if anybody, anybody starts ranking jobs and doesn't put Florida State in the top 10, right? You can win a national title there, recruiting, money, da da da, da. Yeah. But, the, you know, their history is unique. Their endowment's not as big. Their facilities were behind in a certain in certain areas and all that junk. And, you know, that's why he leaves for Texas A&M. But, like, Florida State fans were, were livid <laughs> because he was treating them like a stair-step job because every right. year it was like, is Jimbo going to go to Texas? Is Jimbo going to go to LSU? Is Jimbo going to Auburn? Whatever. So I guess my question for you is like when you're talking about established norms, Mississippi State is a great example. Maybe, maybe, I don't think so because the SEC West is so volatile and Mississippi lacks any kind of capital investment in anything. But like maybe Mullen changed Mississippi State forever. So maybe so maybe it's a situation more akin to like Fisher taking over after Bowden for what Moorhead's doing. But then I'm I'm on Twitter yesterday and I see that Nick Fitzgerald is suspended for Stephen F. Austin, which isn't a big deal. No. It's not at all. They're gonna win that game. But I'm thinking it just it sort of plants a seed of doubt because we've kissed Moorhead's ass so much on the show where we're like, hey, that's lock and low, baby. Mississippi State's gonna win ten games this year. I you know, they're gonna beat Alabama. And I'm thinking to myself, well, how come I'm so committed to that, but I have no idea what's gonna go on with Jimbo at AM? It's really hard to establish a norm because yeah. norms are changing. Yeah, and that's where I want to play with different, like, um, you know, if is is uh, what nine years? Is that how long Mullen was at Mississippi State? Is that long enough to establish to to quote unquote change history? Yeah. Right. I mean, but Bowden obviously changed a ridiculous amount being at uh, FSU for thirty years. So maybe thirty years is a good you know norm to compare it to. But Mullen had them a top 15 team a couple times. Uh, he's still easily better than average. The best coach they've had since the 40s, basically. But, yeah, did he do it long enough to kind oh, of build that Oh, he's the best in history. Yeah, no doubt. Well, I mean, they were really good for a little while in the 40s. But, yeah, since World War II. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's it's just something I want to play with, and and, and we'll see. But, you no, know, the, the answer is just that I haven't done it because it hasn't helped me to do it. We need to get to the schedule. I know we need to get a schedule. That's just a fascinating topic for me. Having just finished a story about like, I think the one of the programs that really it's Florida state, Miami, honestly, that you think of truly changing and, and redefining themselves. I know, I know Miami receded uh, until Rick got there, but um, it's really, it, it's, it's the one thing 
that plagues our ability to look at new coaching situations or or change or turnover when a coach leaves, not so much when a coach gets fired. But yeah, it's fascinating to me. Um, and there's just no way to put a metric on it. It has to be a case by case, in my opinion. Bill, um, we already talked about the Thursday slate. It sucks. We talked about the Friday slate. It's less suck. Um, Let's well, hey, dude, hidden Jim in there is Army at Duke. Yeah, sure. no, yeah. maybe. I mean, yeah, like on Friday, I'm just saying on Friday night, um, San Diego State and Stanford is a good football game, by the way. Flat out good football game. FS1, 8 o'clock Central Time. Uh, Western Kentucky, Wisconsin. Western, Western Kentucky, speaking of transition and expectation, yeah. um, they're going to get mauled in this game by Wisconsin, but there's a lot Mike Sanford needs to do to maintain a unrealistic level of expectation from a fan base that doesn't even turn up in the stands at Western Kentucky. That's sort of just become a tough job uh, because it started with Taggart. They they built a winner for the first time in FBS. Then you bring in Petrino for one year and then Braum after that. And between, between really, I would say, Taggart and Braum, not so much Petrino, they recruit a very high level of, of player for, for Western Kentucky in that region. And like they had to win a lot of games, and so Sanford. I'm not saying he's hot seated all this year, but they got to get off what is perceived to be a schneid up there, which is insane to me. Now, as but, far as a football game goes, I think Wisconsin's just going to grind them up. Right. Uh, back to Thursday though. Northwestern at Purdue is is a telling game. We you're will learn. Still caping for this? Yes. Why not? Uh, you're not. No, they you're were not both wrong. top forty programs last year. You're um, not wrong. It's it's one of the weird things where you kind of have to shake it off at first glance. If you are not a Big Ten fan, or if you're not a fan you, of one of these two schools, and you look at it and you're like, oh, shit. Look, Purdue is actually going to be probably one of the most entertaining offenses in football this year. So I know it's weird. Just the, the sentence doesn't make sense, and my brain hurts right now. But it's true. So it's, it's just not. Look, there's just not a lot of sizzle on that. But to again, sell that I don't as need that sizzle game. on Thursday. I'm watching on Thursday, no matter what. Uh, Northwestern, though. You know, they, they've had these weird few years where, like, one time they start on fire and then maybe kind of fade a little bit, and then the next year they start horribly and then end up getting, you know, last year they started horribly and then ended up really good, mm-hmm. or solid at least. But Purdue is a team that, yeah, they, they, they lose they most of an awesome defense. Meanwhile, their offense was pretty inconsistent, but Jeff Brom's second-year offenses tend to be pretty spectacular. And so lots of questions. I mean, this whole this whole weekend is about starting to get answers to the questions we've asked all, all offseason. And we will overreact to the, little, to the little morsel of an answer that we get. We will then you know carry that way too far, and half of it will be undone in week two. But we get start to get answers, and that is a game that that is worth watching because there are questions about both teams. All right, Bill, let's set up the tasting menu. Let's start with the 11 a.m. Central slot on Saturday. God, While I am like tailgating at Georgia Tech, maybe. It just feels like I haven't done this in so long because I haven't done this in so long. Uh, here is your block all the way until 2.30. Are you ready, Bill? Yeah. You ready to do this? Uh, 11 a.m. SEC Network, Coastal Carolina at South Carolina. On Fox, FAU at Oklahoma. I tried. I tried to get that on Thursday. You assholes didn't listen. 11 a.m. on CBS Sports Network, Houston at Rice. Uh, 11 a.m. on ESPNU, James Madison at NC State. Kent State is at Illinois on the Big Ten Network. Maryland and Texas are playing in Landover at 11 a.m. on FS1. (sighs) And then Ole Miss and Texas Tech are in Houston at 11 a.m. on ESPN. Oregon State, I can stop saying 11 a.m., sorry. Oregon State is at Ohio State. See, I'm, I'm rusty. Oregon State is at Ohio State uh, on ABC. Southern is at TCU uh, on FSN. 
and that's Southern, Southern, the SWAC school at TCU on FSN. And then Texas State opens at Rutgers. Uh, the last 11 a.m. game is Villanova at Temple on ESPN News. And then we move into 11:20, and this is one of those weird ACC network. Totally a check your local listing situation. <laughs> that ACC network is still confusing. Uh, for a minute, Clemson. Uh, the same thing goes. I think it. Yeah, it's on that R regional sports network for a, a, for the ACC at 11:30 Central is the game you are going to be tailgating for Alcorn at Georgia Tech. Now, you know what strikes me immediately? At almost every ounce of controversy of the past calendar year is soaked into the 11 a.m. slot. So. When you like, I spent years investigating the old Miss NCAA situation. Um, they're still on probation. By the way, that appeal is still pending. That we don't know what's going to happen with Ole Miss. That's like the fifth most controversy laden game in this slot. Uh, Maryland, Texas. Of course, Ew. the Tom Herman thing comes out last night that he was at the strip club with Zach Smith in 2014. Total diversionary tactic by Ohio Massive State. Massive diversion. Jesus. Uh, and then Ohio State is hosting Oregon State at 11. Ah, okay. Football, just football, just football. Um, the, the sheer fun has to be Houston. Has to be um, Ole Miss and Texas. Oh Tech. God, it's going to be a wonderful. Um, I think Texas is going to take apart Maryland. I think Ohio State is going to take apart Oregon State. If you're vested in those teams, obviously you're going to watch that. That's fine. Um, I think. You have to go entertainment value one Ole Miss Texas Tech for all the reasons you would think. AJ Brown's probably the best receiver in college football. Um, I don't know if Jordan Tomu and the SEC schedule and that defense would allow for AJ Brown to mount a Heisman campaign as a wide receiver in a probation year for Ole Miss, but I don't know. Uh, my number two is still FAU at Oklahoma. Yep. Yeah. I mean, Maryland, Texas isn't. A total given. Let me say that. Like, if Maryland has a hangover from all the stuff it's been dealing with, then yes. But um, on paper... I say, I think, I, and I think they do. I think they have a massive one, and I think it's a much better Texas team than uh, the one that they beat last year. Yeah. So I, I think it's a, I think it's a given Texas wins by the third quarter. Could be wrong. Well, but, I mean, the, one, the two things Maryland has going for them... Oh, well, I guess one thing all packaged into the... Whatever. Um, that... They had two awesome-looking quarterbacks last year who torched Texas and then both got lost for the season to injury, and their best defensive player got lost to injury after the Texas game. So basically, the only thing I would quibble with here is, I mean, it's very possible Maryland just comes out and lays a 12-game egg, but on paper, they are they should have been better last year had their best players not gotten hurt. Um, anybody who loses like two, three of their top four players or whatever it would have been, they're going to kind of stink. Uh, so it's possible that, you know, they're able to put aside distractions, playing for this interim coach, uh, in, in who Matt Canada, I guess. And maybe they're able to, to do some damage. And, and the other part is like, we now have to see Texas playing as a favorite, which, which Tom Herman teams don't always do very well on the road with, with expectations they haven't completely earned. They, they could really be pretty good, but they still have to prove it now. Um, that's the best I can do. Texas is probably going to win by a couple touchdowns, but it's not to me. It's not a total given. All right, let's go. Uh, so let's go. Your main there is definitely Texas Tech and Ole Miss and Houston. Your primary side, let's say FAU and Oklahoma. We haven't touched on it, but we've talked about it a lot this offseason. Uh, obviously, Oklahoma national title contender, super fun. New quarterback, and then also Lane Kiffin and FAU. What more do you need? And then we'll say as a third, 
uh, Maryland and Texas. Let's move to the afternoon. I'm going to keep it brisk, Bill. Let's start at 2.30 Central. God's time. Big Ten Network App State goes to Penn State. Auburn and Washington are the Chick-fil-A kickoff on ABC. Austin P goes to Georgia on ESPN. Central Michigan is at Kentucky on ESPNU. Over on the Big Ten Network, we have Northern Illinois opening at Iowa. Tennessee and West Virginia, neutral site game in Charlotte at CBS on 2.30. Quick note there. They're now moving those CBS SEC schedules to year-round. That's interesting. Normally, they waited until week three. Washington State is at Wyoming on CBS Sports Network. Sleeper, sleeper good. Eastern Illinois at Arkansas, 3 o'clock on SEC Network. Now we're in the 3 o'clock era. North Carolina goes to Cal. Talk about a non-conference game. We did not think about it all this offseason. It's real and impactful for both programs, much like it was last year. Not an anxiety bowl, but interesting. UNLV is at USC on the Pac-12 network, so you won't see that. UT Martin opens against your Missouri Tigers at 3 o'clock on the SEC network, and then we'll stop there. We'll have 5 o'clock start the evening. Uh, Bill, um, it's got to be Auburn-Washington. That's Whoa. a pretty easy pick right there for the number one. It's the game I'm most interested in uh, for the entire weekend with – with uh, Miami LSU a close second, but it, it's Auburn Washington. I love I, Washington. <clears throat> I think they're going to do some cool shit we didn't know about on offense and make a statement. By the way, I am going to miss the Missouri home game uh, because I'm out of town. Uh, forecast for Saturday in Columbia, Missouri: 91 in rain. And UT Martin, uh, more importantly. So uh, I think you're, um, I think you're okay there, boss. Yeah. Um, no, I, I I'll be in a place where maybe I can actually breathe the air. We'll see. Uh, yeah, Auburn. I mean, we've been saying it for a while. Auburn Washington is one of the two most heavy narrative games of Week One. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it should be a, just in, it should be very fun and also extremely informative uh, for all mm-hmm. the reasons we've said. We don't even need to focus on that one. It's just going to be it's it's a humongous game. Um, for yeah, me, this, for yeah. Me, okay, uh, this, this number two is going to get divergent here. Go. Yeah, I I'm well. I'm I'm really curious about Penn State, so I probably I'll probably get the most out of that one. Uh, okay. watching that second on the old BTN against Appalachian mm-hmm. State. An Appalachian State team who has been, you know, top 40 caliber or better each of the last two years. They have a new quarterback, but they've got, a, I think, if I remember right, a pretty mobile quarterback. They should have a kind of a, a, a the same normal old Appalachian State ball control game, get a couple first downs, pin you inside your 20, uh, and just try to keep the game close heading into the fourth quarter. Penn State has not been challenged at home in quite a while. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if they can play that recipe but that's that. That'll be another really informative game. It should be worth watching. I think. I mean, my personal side dish here is going to be watching Wazoo and Wyoming. Um, <laughs> of course, we've talked a lot about Wazoo. Uh, you know, I, I've got Leach pegged to be. This is his last season in the, in the Palouse. Obviously, I'm a I'm a dork about Wyoming. But then, um, you're kind of you, you have sold me on Penn State just in the fact that I want to see what those first three or four offensive drives with Ricky Ronnie as OC look like. Yep. See if McSorley. Can I mean, there's a lot of pressure on McSorley, unfairly so, I think, for a starting quarterback. Um, yeah, after that is a bit of a, a drop. Um, I think West Virginia is going to blow out Tennessee in the second half, but for a lot of reasons, just God, just for my own local radio obligations, I probably need to pay attention to that. So, um, okay, so your main, obviously, I mean, look, I'm going to be honest here, I'm probably going to watch you know, wire to wire Auburn, Washington. Um, and then we'll be hanging out with our, our ESPN or ESPN with our SB nation crew. So something tells me that our managing editor, Brian Floyd will have that Wazoo game on. So I'm going to pick Wazoo, uh, Wyoming as my number two. And then I think you, what you, you've got app state Penn state yeah. there. Okay. I feel like that's good enough there. I mean, uh, North Carolina Cal is a game that you just kind of keep, uh, it's more of just check the score. 
honestly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, all right, let's move into the evening real fast. We're going to go all the way. I'm just going to go this all the way through the evening up until, uh, I mean, the, the end of the night is Navy at Hawaii. Um, and it's CBS. This says CBS Sports Network, but yeah. maybe it's only, there's some sort of caveat on the, uh, by the way, LSUfootball.net. See, we're so rusty. LSUfootball.net slash TV schedule. It's the greatest schedule in the world. It's what we use on podcasts. Play anybody. Go Tigers. 5 p.m., Bill. ESPN News. There's only one 5 p.m. game, so I'm going to change the time after that. Uh, 5 p.m., it's Boise State and Troy. Damn good. Yep. <clears throat> going to be damn good. Narrative uh, potential. Woo, P-A-P-N. Um, okay, moving straight into 6 o'clock. Uh, and, uh, man, this is going to be tough. This The evening slot's going to be tough. Uh, Cincinnati at UCLA on ESPN. Uh, Indiana at FIU on CBS Sports Network. ESPN Extra, I don't know. That's Kansas hosting Nichols. You don't have to worry about that. We move to 6.30. Charleston Southern is Florida's sacrificial lamb in week one, as is tradition on the SEC Network. NBC has Michigan and Notre Dame at 6.30. We're still in 6.30. MTSU goes to Vandy. No one here cares. Uh, Illinois State, St. Xavier. Oh, whoop. See, they let those FCS games slip in on the schedule. Mississippi State hosts Stephen F. Austin at ESP, on ESPNU. We're now moving to 7 o'clock. We're now in prime time. Uh, Baylor hosts Abilene Christian to open on FSN. That's one of those regional check-your-listing situations. On Mainstream Fox at 7 p.m., this is the best they could do. Nebraska opens against Akron. Ugh. Ugh. Good luck with the ratings on that because you're opposite Alabama and Louisville and Orlando on ABC at the same time. Pac-12 Network has Bowling Green opening at Oregon. UTSA is at Arizona State on FS1. Now, the UTSA game, I'm sorry, we're jumping into 9.30 Central, so now we're in the late evening. UTSA, Arizona State, 9.30 FS1. BYU at Arizona, 9.45 ESPN. And then, of course, Navy, Hawaii at 10. So absent those three evening games, which you can kind of just watch in your own rotation there. And I have, I have a... I have an interest in all three of those evening games, so we won't include that really in the tasting menu. Right. Just saying, watch all three: UTSA, Arizona State. I still think Frank Wilson's an, an awesome head coach in the making. Uh, Arizona, a lot of questions about Sumlin. BYU, they've got to not be asked this year. And then uh, let's see how good Hawaii is against their, uh, you know Navy. Thank goodness, you're find by the out way. Real fast. Thank goodness, by the way, that Navy is playing in the game, and we'll try to limit it to you know two and a half hours or whatever. Because I think I fly out of Atlanta like six the next morning. So, ooh. Yeah, uh, I fly home late. Actually, I my schedule watching... is such that I really might not get more than about five and a half hours sleep from last Sunday through this Saturday. It'll, That's it's, football it's, season, it's baby. Awesome. It's awesome, baby. Um, okay, we got to pick one here. This is by far the toughest to, to Michigan to find. Yeah, I mean, it I, is. That's pretty easy to me. It's number one. Uh, that's. It is the only, I mean, really the only comparison is like maybe the first five minutes of Alabama Louisville, but I expect that to be just a complete well, massacre. I, I'm. I'm curious about Alabama Louisville simply because um, looking at the lines compared to my projections, right. um, I, I have Alabama third in, S- in the last updated S and P plus primarily because, well, primarily because uh, Clemson and Ohio State are both loaded, but then also because Alabama loses its entire secondary, uh, and Bobby Petrino has had like its top six tacklers, I think, and now Bobby Petrino's had an off season to. to plan some things to take advantage of that they're not going to win yeah but basically like the lines that i saw in vegas last week were like minus 25 for alabama but my projections are only like minus 16 or 17 uh so really 
it, it, to me, it was kind of proof that we are just taking leaps of faith here with Alabama, and usually that pays off. But we are talking about, you know, he has two recruiters in his coordinator positions. He has yeah. a brand new secondary, a weird quarterback situation. There are there are opportunities for Pratt Falls here. Uh, they are not things that Alabama usually ends up suffering from. They'll probably be awesome, but they still have to kind of prove it uh, from a numbers perspective. So that one, that one, I'm interested in because of that. Just to basically see, does Alabama win handily or completely? you know, 40 to three domination, but no, I mean, Michigan, Notre Dame is, is national title implications. Uh, lots of pressure on both sides. Uh, so that, that is certainly the best game here for me. I still don't know what either. I mean, I, I, I'm of the opinion. Michigan is better than the predicted implosion. A lot of people have them going through. I, I don't know if Shea Patterson is going to be, you know, plug and play successful out of the gate. It's a good test. I have even less certainty with Notre Dame. So uh, just for that reason, I think it's because they're both national title contenders, at least in week one. Um, I think I'll know a lot more about both teams and probably be able to find a more like kind of clear narrative on both teams, even though we're not supposed to do that. This is, this is different because it's high quality opponent, I think. Uh, and plus, I mean, when you're Notre Dame, especially a loss in week one does it is different than when you're in a major conference. It just is because you're able to rebound, I think in a different way. We've seen that in the sec and the big 10. So, um, that's definitely number one. Here's the, so here's the, here's the, the issue with the evening block bill. I want to check in on a lot of first year head coaches. Um, some of these games are going to be completely worthless to me though. And what I mean, if not completely worthless, then just reserve all judgment and, and let's just wait a minute. So Mississippi state, Stephen F Austin, Nick Fitzgerald, not playing. And then also it being Stephen F Austin, we're not going to get much out of that bowling green at Oregon, uh, Oregon. as far as I know is shifting more towards a pistol offense, but they want to carry over as much as they could from Taggart. That's going to be interesting. They're going to be healthy on offense, which they really weren't for most of that year. But again, it's Bowling Green. So it's like, you put a pin in that. Um, Cincinnati and, L- and UCLA, that's yeah, different that's, to me. That's underrated to me. That to me is the, un- that that's your sleeper pick for a number of reasons. I really like what Luke Fickle's doing. Best recruiting class in the AAC. Not going to translate right now. Not going to translate in week one of year two. They will be Okay. Um, but of course we're, I mean, look, I don't want to bury the lead. We're tuning in to see what the hell UCLA is going to look like. Yep. And, and that alone, Chip Kelly alone is worth, I think the number two pick here. Oh, ahead of Alabama Louisville. Okay. Yeah. Honestly. I mean, just for me personally, because I'm looking more again, I like from a narrative sense, from a story sense, like I know what I'm getting in Alabama Louisville. This is not a knock against Alabama and it's, you know, if you if you live comfortably in the space of PAPN, it's it's that Alabama is successful. We don't begrudge them that, but they are they are infinitely boring until you get to the playoff. And so, this is one of those boring. I mean, how many Alabama neutral site openers do I have to sit through? Where well, they just completely one, one a year. De- I mean, no, but I mean, where they demoral. Yeah, but they're all hyped up to be great matchups. Every this is the first time. Maybe it's because it's Louisville and not like a USC. Well, right, yeah. Where people aren't trying to shove it down our throats of like, you got to tune into the Alabama game. They're playing in the blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, I don't. They're just going to destroy whoever they're playing by 20 to 28 points. Who cares? At least no one's trying to shove it on me this year. So, uh, all right, let's go one Michigan-Notre Dame. 
Uh, do you feel, I mean, we well, didn't talk about Boise State. I was about Troy. to say, if we're counting Boise Troy, that that's the honorary PAPN number two spot there, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. I'll give them uh, just because they're two equally matched programs, two great coaches. Uh, Boise is still ahead, but yeah. Okay. All right. We'll see. <laughs> they're, hey, they're going down to the former movie gallery stadium. That's right. In muggy South Alabama. So we'll see. Um, all right, let's go Boise State, Troy. Um, definitely. I think Neil Brown's last year. Um, and, and he will be a, a coaching commodity. Uh, must win, Harson? I don't know. I don't uh, want to get into that right now. I don't want to get into that right now. Let's say Cincinnati UCLA is a 2A. Um, and again, there's a ton of other schools like uh, uh, Florida Charleston Southern. That's another one where I really want to know what it's going to look like. I really want to know who you're going to be. Uh, but I just not, I'm not going to get anything out of that game. Um, Bill. Yep. We still have a couple games. We don't have to play the game. We don't have to actually do the, the, you know, sort of parsing through and creating our tasting menu. But uh, just so you, just so you're aware out there, if you're really interested in watching on Sunday morning, NC Central is at Prairie View at 11 a.m. on ESPN two before LSU Miami. That game kicks off 6:30 Central on ABC Sunday night, and then of course Monday night Virginia Tech and Florida State. Anything we want to add here? Uh, they're both watchable, by the way. Oh hell yeah! The, I don't, I don't great matchups. Uh, super fired up that Virginia Tech and Florida State. Obviously, it's a conference matchup, so. You know, I'm not really going to applaud you for just moving a conference game up, but it is nice to have on campus on campus atmosphere uh, in week one in prime time. I think that's great. LSU Miami would have been just insane had you put it on those campuses. But yep, still my number two game of the week without a doubt. Narrative for days, both sides of the ball. I, I don't even know what to do with myself on this football game, except I, I really do think I'm flying for part of this game home on Sunday. So, uh, you know, say a prayer for the Wi-Fi capabilities of whatever crappy Southwest light I'm on. <laughs> Let's get out of here. Let's go to Atlanta. Football. <laughs>